0: My name is Julian, and this is the Sales Fix Podcast. It's you, the salespeople across the world that make the world a better place. You've brought down prices, you've increased quality, you've caused the guarantee, the warranty, the return policy, hundreds of thousands of dollars, discussions, interviews, sales quick tips, everything to sharpen the saw and make you a better salesperson. Hey, sales warriors. Welcome back for another episode of the sales fix podcast. Uh, my name is Julian. I am the host of the sales fix podcast. I'd like to welcome you to the show. If it's the first time that you're listening, if you have a subscribe button on whatever application that you're using, please feel free to click that. Also, when you get to the end of the show, new listener or not new listener, I would very much appreciate a review if you have the time to give me one through any of the podcast services that we're on that you may be using like to also talk to you about one of our sponsors, which is OriginMaine.com. OriginMaine with an E because it's in the state of Maine, OriginMaine.com. They are a purveyor, a U.S.-based, U.S.-manufactured product. They make some really outstanding clothing, both for workouts and for everyday wear. Um, They make a pair of jeans and I will say without doubt that it is the best pair of jeans that I've ever owned. It doesn't ride up. It stretches well. It moves well. It's super comfortable and it wears very well. Extremely tough jeans. Um, You can find cheaper jeans, but you can't find better jeans. And the advantage of the Origin Maine jeans, too, is that they're made entirely in the U.S. Even the cotton that they're made from is U.S. grown cotton. And their factory is right there in the state of Maine, founded by a guy who is restoring little by little the manufacturing of clothing business in the state of Maine, which a lot of it was outsourced when all that NAFTA stuff first started happening and all those uh, trade deals that sent a lot of American jobs abroad. And so I really support those guys, not only because they're U.S.-based, but also because they manufacture a fantastic product. Okay, uh, enough of that. Let's talk about what we're going to talk to about uh, today. I had I had an interesting experience this week, which uh, is leading to what the subject matter of this uh, podcast is uh, is going to be about, had one of those experiences where somebody says, what do you do? And you say, I'm in sales. And they give you that little, ah, oh. Kind of reaction. You know, the, the 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 lip curls up and it's like, oh, you poor thing. You had to resolve to like working in sales in order to like make a living, right? So, like, it's a dirty job or a, a bad job. And listen, I'd be the first to can see that there are bad salespeople, but there are bad doctors, there are bad nurses, there are bad teachers, there are bad police officers. And it doesn't mean that we should do away with all of those professions, right? And what it brings up is the interesting question, which is where does this a negative image associated with salespeople, which usually is tied to things like greed, selfishness, hustling, high pressure, unethical, manipulative, pushy, arrogant. These are all some of the, the words, if you kind of do a survey, what do you think about salespeople? These are the words that typically get associated with Salespeople, and a a while back I was reading. uh, I was I was on a social media platform, and there's this poll that came up. You know, some of these social media platforms allow people to put up polls, um, and this person put up a poll, and the poll question that they ask is: If a seller feels his service is in the client's best interest, do you feel it's unethical for him to compel, in parentheses, or force them to buy? Right. So let me rephrase that: If you feel like you're in it, it, like your product is in the best interest of your client, is it ethical to force them to buy? Now, there's just a couple problems with that poll question, which I very quickly pointed out on this social media platform, right? And the first problem is force them to buy. How do we, how do we actually ever force someone to buy something without breaking a few, you know, laws around like assault, you know, torture and violence? Like seriously, how do you actually force someone to buy, right? And that goes to show you how far the perception is of salespeople from the reality. The idea that there is even a way for us to you know, force anybody to buy something, right? And again, it's not that there aren't some salespeople that pull some unethical stuff. There absolutely are. But the idea that we can force something, even an unethical person cannot force someone else to buy. They might be able to manipulate pressure, you know, use some some human behavioral or psychological tactics to create some artificial pressure on it. But the idea that you can force somebody into buying something is just a falsehood, right? And manipulation is not the same thing. And manipulation often gets seen as a bad thing. I've done a podcast episode on that subject, right? But remember, manipulation is also used in extremely ethical ways, not just by salespeople, but by all kinds of, you know, other professions, right? I manipulate my my uh, teenager to get good grades in school. I do that by putting a reward system in place. I do that by you know having a failsafe that if he doesn't complete work assignments and I find out about it from the teachers that he's going to lose his phone, for example, he's going to lose some privileges. Right? We manipulate our kids to have good behavior. We manipulate um, other a, a whole a whole bunch of other in professional circumstances manipulate people to make the right decision. So again, salespeople and manipulate kind of both both share this negative connotation this bad brand image around you know those things and I know I've covered this on a post before but when you say to somebody you know what do you do for a living and the and the answer and I answer I'm in sales and they kind of look at me like eh. it comes from that same kind of negative branding that's equating manipulation to evil right that anything that i do is is evil but if i think back right about that post that poll that they put it was, it was incomplete, really, because what they didn't cover was the intent, and the intent matters, right? So they said, if you feel that my service is in the client's best interest, okay, feel's not exactly the word I'd want to use there. I would want to know, not feel, that my product is a client's best interest before I actually start to manipulate things in order to compel them to buy. But again, I don't necessarily want to compel them to buy. That's part of the problem, right? So we need to Understand that if we're an ethical and professional salesperson, we do not manipulate people to buy. What we do is manipulate people into a decision, into making a yes or no decisions, right? So we have half the decision-making power in sales. We have the decision as to whether we're willing to sell our product to our client. And some of you might be thinking here, well, don't we always want to sell our product to our client? And the answer is no, not ethical salespeople. Ethical salespeople know that if the product I'm going to sell you is going to do you harm, or even just not do you good, or even not do you enough good to justify the money that you're spending on it, then I'm probably not going to make the recommendation to buy. And I'm in that situation all the time. I've told some of my clients today, when we first met and they first tried to hire me as a sales consultant, There's a couple of them where it was like, you know, you're not ready for me. You don't have some of these elements in place. So you're going to be paying me to stand around and wait for these elements to be completed. So why don't we put the task list of getting these elements completed and then talk about how we can work together once these elements are in place. And those are some of the clients that trust me the most now because they know I won't try to just sell them something for the sake of selling something. So Again, and in those those situations, I'm not manipulating a sale. I'm manipulating the decision. So in that case, it was the 50% of the decision that was mine. The other 50% of the decision is the clients. It's the ability of the client to decide if they want to buy. But here's what happens in a lot of cases. Clients may want to buy, but they have some hesitations that they haven't completely figured out. They have some hesitations. you know let's call it emotional luggage that gets kind of in the way of that because they had a bad buying experience with a similar company or because they had a bad buying experience with a non similar company there're going to be a whole bunch of different things uh, that affect a client's willingness to actually pull the trigger and buy something even once they've made the logical assumption or the logical conclusion that it's actually a viable and healthy product for them to buy So where are we going with all this? What does all this mean? Uh, Think of it this way. I do not enter a sales conversation with the intent of getting the prospect to buy anything. I don't. I really don't. I enter the sales conversation with the intent, intent is a key word here, of getting a prospect to open up enough and tell me enough so that we can decide together if there is a need of theirs that can be addressed by buying what I'm selling. Hopefully that makes much more sense. That intent means now... Do I sometimes manipulate? Sure. I sometimes manipulate in order to get them to open up enough for me to be able to help them make that decision. I sometimes manipulate them into, uh, for example, comparing me to the best available alternative versus comparing what I'm selling to the perfect solution because the perfect solution doesn't exist. But the pushing and pulling that I use as a sales technique is def- is designed to qualify or disqualify the fit for my product or service as it ties to whatever issue that they're trying to serve. And either a- answer is acceptable, right? There's a large difference between listening only to make the sale after asking a series of manipulative questions and versus listening to determine whether or not they should even buy. And, you know, there's an actually another word for manipulation with the right intent. And that word is leading. That's what leaders do. Leaders manipulate people with the right intent. They manipulate people to help them get more out of it. If you ever been in a sales situation or, I'm sorry, a work situation where somebody has manipulated you into doing something that initially you didn't want to do and then you get to the end of it and you're like, I can't believe I could pull that off. What about a personal trainer? That's essentially what a personal trainer is. I don't care what anybody says. There's nobody in their right mind that enjoys exercise. We sometimes enjoy the results of exercise. Some of us do, right? Some of us don't. But there's no person in the right mind that says, man, it just feels good when I'm doing 100 push-ups, right? So what does a physical or personal trainer do is they manipulate you through getting through the pain of doing those 100 push-ups because they know about the payoff on the end. And then if you connect to that payoff on the end, you're like, that was awesome. That's actually why a lot of people hire personal trainers. You really don't need them to go exercise. You can go exercise without a personal trainer, right? And you can read a series of books or look at a series of videos online to give you ideas of what exercises you should be doing based on what it is that you're trying to do. Lose weight, build muscle mass, be stronger, be faster, whatever it is. But really, when we go to a personal trainer, when we go to a coach, when there's a coach on a football team, he's manipulating the entire football team to do a series of exercise and a series of practices and to hit and to sweat and to work hard and to just be in a relatively painful situation. And he's manipulating them to do that because it serves their best interests. It's a win-win on the tail end of that when they come out of that. And what do we do? We call that person... A great leader. So enough with the idea that manipulation is automatically a bad thing. A chiropractor manipulates your back in order to make pain go away. If you like, they actually believe it or not, call it a manipulation, right? So yes. As a sales professional, you need to be able to influence and even occasionally manipulate people into action or decision. Sometimes you influence them to buy. Sometimes you influence them not to buy, right? But the mount, the mindset at the outset of this conversation, the mindset that you walk in is this intent to find a fit and this intent to come to a decision. And here's the delineator on this. If you're ever trying to really spell it out, here's really what the ultimate delineator on this, because this is something that gets lost in the shuffle most of the time. People say, well, that's high pressure. High pressure is when you're pushing for somebody to say yes. That's high pressure. When you're pushing them to buy. It is not high pressure to set the expectation of and push for a decision, yes or no. Especially when your attitude is, I'm okay with either decision. I just want you to make a decision. I want us to be able to close the chapter on this, right? Do this decision. So I have a friend who's afraid of heights. And about 20 years ago, we were on this trip in Central America and we ran across a spot where he could go bungee jumping. And he's afraid of heights, so you can imagine there was a lot of fear associated with the idea of going bungee jumping. Now, I would say to you that I manipulated him over the course of the you know 30 or 40 minutes or 50 minutes that it took for us to make the decision if he was going to do this or not, and including the last five minutes of hesitancy when he was actually strapped to the bridge, strapped to the rubber band, and about to jump off this bridge and do a bungee jump at that time, but my manipulation wasn't do it. My manipulation was make a decision either or. You're, you know what the consequences are. How will you feel if you walk away from this bridge and didn't jump after you went through all the trouble of strapping in and doing all of that kind of stuff? Now, how will you feel if you jump off and it's not as good as you expected or it's scarier than you expected or whatever it is? So my manipulation was to push him to a decision. I was not vested either way in whether he jumped off that bridge or didn't jump off that bridge. Because I knew, or at least I had trust, that he wasn't going to kill him, right? So if he was jumping off a bridge to kill himself, that would have been a different scenario. I've got vested interest in getting him not to jump off the bridge. But in that particular scenario, my manipulation was to get him to make a decision, not to stay hanging on to that bridge for another 30 or 40 minutes, only to have, say... The bungee jump companies say, okay, that's it. You've had enough time. you got to come back over the rail. Now you're not doing it. Now that decision has been robbed away from him, and he's lost the power that's associated with making that decision. So we push for a decision, but the decision is yes or no. And to some extent, there's an element of manipulation in that, or I would call it an element of leadership because that's what leaders do. They push us. They prod us. They get us to do things that are outside of our comfort zone. You have a lot of buyers out there that need your product, but they haven't bought it yet. And you have to ask yourself why. And the main reason is not lack of information usually. The main reason is nobody has mapped out the options for them in a clear enough way that they feel that they're making an intelligent and decided choice. So the choice still feels risky. If you can move or manipulate, quote unquote, your clients into a position of making a yes or no decision based on intelligent analysis of the data, and then also getting to the point where you conclude this is much as data as we have. So is there an element of risk? Yes. Is that risk acceptable? Then, you know, we. You make the decision, but you push them to a decision. And that's what makes great salespeople. And I will also say that's what makes salespeople great because there's a lot of people out there that need that kind of a push or a nudge in order to be able to make decisions. And they are very happy afterwards that they made a decision, either yes or no. I've been in actually, even earlier this morning, I was talking to a client. About a potential project, and during that conversation, we got to a point where I said, "Based on what you're telling me, based on what I'm hearing, this is probably not a good decision for you. It, it represents too much risk with not with that without enough upside." So at this point, it just you shouldn't do it. And there was actual relief from that person at the end of that conversation saying, all right, now I don't feel like I'm going to have missed out. I made the best decision based on what was available to me at the time. We are in sales typically in roles of leadership as it relates to other human beings around us because we're pushing them and helping them get to the point where they're making smart and better decisions. Okay, if you enjoyed this episode of the Sales Fix podcast, do me a favor, share it with somebody. There's typically a share button on whatever app you're using to listen to podcasts, or if there's a specific piece of it, share it and send a message to a friend. And if you want more information about us, you know how to find us online. If you'd like us to come in and train your team or work with some of your team members on this or any other sales issue, please reach out to us through the website. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Sales Fix podcast and we'll see you on the next one. Get out there and sell something. You've been listening to the Sales Fix podcast. For more sales tactics and tips, visit the blog section at salesfix.com. That's Sales Fix with two X's. We're on Twitter at Sales Fix, Facebook and LinkedIn. If you'd like help training your sales team, email us at info at salesfix.com.